Welcome to Grit, Guts, and Determination, the Leadville Race Series podcast. I'm your host, Cole Clover, son of race founder, Ken Clover. And I'm going to take you on a journey of rich storytelling through our now 40-year rich history. And I invite you to sit back and listen to these eccentric stories. But don't forget to take a few notes along the way because these eccentric stories are going to have tricks and tips to get you to that line come summer. So sit back, enjoy, and then we'll see you at home. We'll see you in Leadville. Leadville family, I've got another great one for you today. Uh, Not only is this gentleman one of our more versed runners and bikers, he's also been a lifetime coach and now gone out on his own to start his own coaching business called Boundless Coaching. Uh, If you're interested, you can definitely reach him at boundless.com. Ryan is excited to share his move from the Midwest to his career start with Lifetime, and now to this other move into endurance sports himself and boundless coaching as his baby. So sit back, enjoy, and don't forget to take a few notes because it's going to be your success come summer. We have a saying in Leadville, you don't find Leadville, Leadville finds you. Well, Ryan, when did Leadville find you? Leadville found me, oh man, I was living in Oregon at the time and Race Across the Sky was in the movie theaters Um, and I went and watched that. I had no idea before what Leadville was and it was pretty cool because I saw Ken sitting up on the, there's a and a panel and Lance Armstrong was sitting next to him and then flash forward like five years later and I'm sitting next to Ken at one of the camps for Q&A and just amazing how you like visualize your life, picture your life, and then things kind of just pan out that way. <laughs> yes, it is for sure. Um, and I, I, I actually didn't know that. I had thought you were exposed to the run first, so I think that's very interesting. Yeah. Well, so now let's uh, dig a little further in. How did you find your way to Colorado? And more so, is this when you started your career as a trainer at Lifetime? Yeah, so I fell in love with endurance sports living in Oregon. Um, I volunteered at my my first 100-miler, the Mount Hood 100, and I had done an Ironman and done a bunch of triathlons, and <clears throat> I thought that was crazy. And then I volunteered at this 100-miler, and I'm like, oh, my God, this is really nuts. Like people are running through the mountains at night. And that particular 100-miler, they ran out of water for like 20 miles just because of poor logistics and a, an inaugural race and I don't know I was just super inspired I, I think some people either get like scared of it or or want a piece of it so <laughs> that was my first ex- experience to ultras so after that I signed up for a bunch of mountain ultras in the Pacific Northwest and um, I moved back to Chicago for a brief time to be back with family and um, got a job at, at Lifetime Fitness in, in Naperville Illinois and the reason why I did is because I had a hidden agenda. I knew there was a lifetime in Colorado, so I figured I'd get a job now and then I could transfer and already have a job. And I wanted to move to Boulder because Boulder had this reputation for being like the endurance mecca. And I had followed like Anton Kapitschka's blog and you know, saw him running up Green Mountain every day, and that was a big inspiration for me. Um, so yeah, I got a, got a job at Lifetime and um, 
yeah, then found my way to Colorado with that with that hidden agenda of their lifetime is pretty cool with the whole transfer. They knew I was following my passion. So, well, and I mean, hidden agenda. So, uh, was that when you first started your working career? Was that the kind of trainer you were looking to be, or did you also have a hidden agenda that you thought it would be more of this endurance agenda? Yeah, I think. Um, you know, to, to do well as a trainer, you got to kind of find your niche. And I had already established myself as kind of like the endurance guy. Um, so yeah, that was, um, <clears throat> you know, you, you just get more clients because if you, if you get a reputation, you know, then they pass people on to you as like the endurance guy. And so I always, I already had that. Um, and then what happened was, um, Duncan Callahan was a coach for, um, for Leadville and for Lifetime. And he had yeah. done well and we started working together and um, he took a job with Western Colorado as their coach. So I had some like huge shoes to fill, uh, but he was great as like a mentor. And and, um, and then I also reached out to uh, Sean Meisner, who was another coach that I had met in the Pacific Northwest. And uh, he had been doing a bunch of online coaching. Um, so I reached out to him because I was just on, you know, as a personal trainer, just one-on-one in person. I'm like, how do you do this? Like virtual online coaching. Mm-hmm. So Sean, Sean was a huge help with that too. And um, so slowly but surely with Lifetime, I started taking like online clients also in addition to like personal training one-on-one clients. Well, and so you, you got your foot in that Lifetime door and already were setting that groundwork to be that kind of trainer uh, boy, I know that's a real hard environment from personal experience for any trainer. In fact, I know the whole industry is very difficult. Um, I imagine it's twice as bad uh, trying to be a coach in ultra running just because you're limiting that much more. So what was that experience like? Did, was it good for you? Did you enjoy it? Did it was it giving you enough, uh, filling your docket enough? Yeah, and it's different. You know, before finding that endurance niche, I, I had mainly like weight loss clients, and I had a couple clients um, lose over 100 pounds. Like, there's this one guy, um, his name is Chris. I worked with in Oregon, and we got to be really good friends. And um, he lost a ton of weight, and he had signed up for 100K. And so I saw like that what, what, um, ultras can do like you you set this like huge goal and he ended up yeah losing over 100 pounds and i paced them at the where's waldo 100k and um you know after that race he gained a bunch of confidence and he found his wife and and that was a big um you know tipping point for me when i saw like what an ultra can do especially if you know if you're overweight or you have an addictive personality um you know setting these huge crazy goals really works well so you know, I, I was even when I had weight loss clients, I was seeing what big goals can do, really. Oh, yeah. And I think overweight and addiction are uh, key factors. You need one of them to be a good ultra runner for sure. Uh, yeah. it, it's very funny to study the psyche of, of who our athletes are. And, and on that, that's a good segue. I'd like to focus you on you a bit more. Can you tell me a little bit more about your athletic background? Sure. Um, when I started running college, um, you know, it was kind of like getting to junior, senior year, like getting burnt out on the party scene. And um, I don't know. I, I signed up for like a local 5K. I went to college in, in Western Illinois. And um, 
I, I wrestled through high school, and so I, I always had a really good work ethic. I was always fascinated by fitness. Like I remember, like I would read men's health magazines, like from cover to cover. So I was always super interested, but not really necessarily running. And, um, but yeah, so that happened like senior year. Got into triathlons after college, and um, in Oregon, uh, signed up for that Ironman. That was like 2009, um, and it was always like, what's next? You know, like you know, how can I go bigger? How can I challenge myself? I, I didn't really get what I was seeking in an Ironman that like, uh, turn yourself and say, Oh, like really f- figure out who you are. I mean, of course it was challenging. It was a, my first big event, but, um, I, I found out in the hundred mile distance, uh, one, because I didn't finish my first hundred miler. Uh, it was the bear 100 in Utah. <clears throat> okay. And, um, got to mile 60. Um, that, that gentleman that, that lost much weight, he was my pacer. Like I said, we got to be good friends. And um, I had like an IT band flare up at the Bear 100. And um, yeah, and I dropped and it haunted me for an entire year. I was like, oh my God. So of course I signed back up and that was a big motivator to, to move to, to Colorado, basically to train for the Bear and get it done. And sure enough, I went back the next year and it took me like, 34 hours uh, i remember like crying talking to my dead grandpa asking him to carry me <laughs> walking backwards on the last descent like it was bad but but i found what i was looking for that oh, like well yeah you know, so like, was it bad or was it perfect <laughs> it was perfect I, I found what i you know what i was looking for it broke me down mentally and physically and it was a two-year, you know, what turned it to be a two-year goal, so it just made it that much sweeter to finally get it done. And, um, yeah, so that, that really resonated with me. And, and then, um, you know, of course, there's always, like, the next goal. So the next goal is, like, to break 24 hours. And, um, you know, so that – and then when I moved to Colorado, it was, like, it wasn't the Bear 100. It was, like, Leadville. Have you done Leadville? Like, you know, everyone talked to Leadville, and it's such a renowned race that, that had to be the next goal for sure well yeah no disrespect to the bear 100 but i'm surprised we still didn't sneak our name in there first on that one (laughs) (laughs) so now you you really didn't do any athletics in high school or were they team sports or um i wrestled in high school and i did a little bit of track but um was a terrible runner like terrible track runner i think around at 800 i'd always be like in the fifth heat like messing around <laughs> my friends like that's so bad uh i was a decent wrestler but I, again i just I, I enjoyed the work ethic and working hard and working out not necessarily the competition i i still don't think i'm that co- competitive i just uh i like competing with myself and i like the process of everything well, we're going to get to your times in a bit, and I think you're pretty competitive, so that's a very nice, humble brag. <laughs> uh, but, you know, like, so I realize things have changed quite a bit in ultra running now. We do see, you know, people a lot younger. I remember Dakota Jones trying to enter a race when he was 20, and we had hesitation. Now, you're a little before that, so you're a little before that, you're, you know, you're just getting into this out of college. What intrigued you about 100 miles? Or I mean, I probably need to step back even further. What got you into that first Ironman? What was it that you, that you needed to do a distance over, say, a marathon? Or what was intriguing you to that level at that age? Yeah. Um, 
I started working when I was like 12, I think. Like, I always had a really good work ethic. And what I liked about the endurance sports was that you didn't have to be like gifted with this like, you know, giant VO2 max or, um, you know, some, some certain physical gift or genetic gift. Um, it was like the, the amount of work you put into it was a direct reflection of, you know, how you performed. Uh, so I always really enjoyed that. And I always enjoyed the, the mental aspect of it. Like you can get a two twenty marathoner and you bring him to a 50 mile run and you know, you have a chance of beating him. Whereas yeah. like, a, you know, a marathon or shorter, you don't have any chance if you're, if you're not super, super physically gifted. So I always enjoyed that part that the mental aspect of it plays such a big role and in, in the outcome. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So I always tell everybody, uh, race day is the one day you can prove science wrong. <laughs> and, and it's especially true in a hundred cause that it is going to come down to who wants it. Because over 100 miles or 50 miles or even 25, but 25 you can get a little different. Yeah, You outrun the science and you start playing that five-inch between-your-ears game for sure. Absolutely. Well, so now how many Leadville Trail 100s do you have under your belt at this point in life? So I have um, <clears throat> four runs and then four bikes. And then this year will be my fifth bike. And oh, okay. Two, two of those were, were lead band competitions. Well, and let's let's stick with the runs just for a second, because uh, you know you've there, there seems to be a couple formulas here. I've got my buddy Mike Monahan, who's the cutoff king, and he came to Leadville, and his first one was his fastest. He did get the big buckle, but then he went on to get. 11 more finishes and they you know they got slower and unfortunately for myself i am the same formula i came in with a 2508 and i've gotten slower and then we see people like you and marvin sandoval who have both you know gotten faster in fact your times actually you know in in 2012 you were over 29 in 16, you were barely under 23. In 15, you take us, and 15 and 13, you're in the you know mid 24s. Um, what what do you want to share about some of those runs, and which ones really stand out to you? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, you know, I had high hopes for for 29 hours, and you know or the year I did 29 hours, of course, I wanted the big buckle. And I always tell people, I'm like, the year, the only year I tried to get a big buckle is the year I did not get a big buckle. <laughs> because there's just not how you run 100 miles. And you just have to let the day come to you, and you have to pace yourself. And um, what, what was interesting about, I, I think, Leadman really helps, because, like, the goal is to complete all the events, right? And all the events in the summer. Yeah. So... So you have a lot of riding on it. So the years I did Leadman, I, I started in the back. I was like, my only goal is to finish. You know, I was talking to people and, um, you know, taking care of myself, hiking when I knew I could run it. And, um, of course, I ended up having my best 100-mile race because I wasn't trying that hard, especially in that first half. Right. Um, 
Yeah. So, and then mentally, like you just can't quit because if you quit, it's not, you're not even just quitting the hundred run, you're quitting, you know, the five other events, you know, preceding it. So mm-hmm. I think having that entire summer, having all the, you know, all your chips in the pile for that last run, like forces you to, to finish and you end up, you know, just having a good one. Um, and you know what's funny is like my fastest time was like 22 something. And I don't think I was the most physically fit that year. I remember I was like five pounds heavier. Uh, probably wasn't training as hard, but I was like mentally the strongest and ready to finish. Like I was ready to suffer. And I had done it so many times and you had this like, you know, mental callousing. Mm-hmm. You just get used to running downhill and pain and just used to running when you don't want to. And um, I think that was a big part. Um, and then probably one of the biggest is like having crew and accountability out there. Like, um, the first year my, my grandma flew out, my aunt flew out, my sister was there and I wanted to quit so bad. And I was like, I can't like, cause the whole team goes home and, and the whole team feels like a failure if you don't finish. And, um, so yeah, like having that, that external pressure, you know, from having people count on you and pacers count on you, that really helps too. So. so you think that 29-hour uh, finish back in 12, you would have hung it up without without loved ones around you or friends around I you? I think so, yeah. I don't know. I, I mean, of course, it's always hard to tell in hindsight, but I, I just remember specifically that was a huge driver for me to get to finish. I remember at <laughs> mile 75, my grandma being like, she's in the dark, she had my <laughs> grandpa's ski hat on, and it's like, you know, 40 degrees, 39 degrees. And she's like, I don't think we're coming back next year. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, well, let's get this year done and uh, we'll talk about next year. So, but yeah, having, having that, that support definitely helps. So did she come back? <laughs> no, she hasn't come back since. <laughs> well, okay. Let's switch gears here to the bike and she could come back for the bike. Cause you can get that done in the daytime. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, so you've got a couple big and a couple small there. How did how did that go, or you know, how do your st- memorable stories from that differ from the run? They've got to be a little lighter hearted, maybe. Yeah, I like the bike. It's different. Um, it's a, it's a different crowd. Like I remember going to camp, like the bike camp, and like no one really talks about the run. And then you go to the run camp, no one really talks about the bike. So being a, a lead man athlete is kind of unique in that you get that crossover, you get to kind of see both cultures, both worlds. And, um, what I like about the bike though, is there's like, you work together, like in a lot of spots, you know, there's like the flats where you're, you getting these like trains of like 10 plus riders and you're pulling each other and you're supporting each other. And so there's like a little bit of team atmosphere too. And, and also what I like, which is funny cause it's like the opposite, but like it, it is a true physical, t- I mean, of course it's mental, but there's a lot more physical, things about the bike where you like you don't have to go through the night you don't have to it's not just like this crazy slow burn of torture it's like, it's like <laughs> intense torture of descending and going up uh you know power lines at the end uh, so it, it's different and i enjoy the difference and i enjoy different cultures and a little bit fast-paced and you know they're it's fun you get to go downhill really fast like it's it, there's just a lot of difference you know from the bike to the run yeah, do you uh 
Do you find yourself more anaerobic in the bike or suffering just completely differently? You're you're hitting on some great things and, and I always try to describe the difference in my bike friends or my run friends and it's very hard. So what do you think about that? Yeah, it's definitely more intense. Um, and I, I see why like uh, training for the bike's much different too. Like there's so many metrics, you know, like when you use watts and power, it's just so precise. Like the whole training methodology for, for the bike is, is cool. So I could see why like type A folks or like engineers and doctors, and they kind of gravitate towards the cycling too, because it's, it's different. The whole process is different. It's much more calculable. You know? Um, but yeah, it's definitely a more intense burn than, than the hundred. Um, as you know, and I've always been guilty of saying how much harder the run is, and I, I think I uh, need to give public apology to that because I don't think that's what I'm trying to to get across. It's more the time value, but you know, you as a coach, I think opened my eyes even more. So, what's your opinion on? one being easier than the other in terms of the actual athletes you're working with, like is one group finding more success or is that just the complete farce that I think it is? And, you know, is it just that much of a different challenge? Yeah. I mean, of course the, the, the DNF rate, you know, the did not finish rate is much higher for, for the run just because I think like you just said, like the time, you know, it's, it's 30 hours. It's not, you know, 12 hours. So it's just bound to, to wear on people. But, um, yeah, it's funny cause I haven't done the run for a few years now and I did the bike last year and I was like, man, this is so hard. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just relative. It's like, I don't know. You just forget how hard things are. Oh yeah. I'm here talking trash about the you know, saying how easy the bike is, but let's not forget we both looked like a deer in headlights and I went to the hospital <laughs> after the bike this year. So Yeah, um, I saw you on <laughs> Yeah, just <laughs> it didn't work very well for either of us and I thought the same thing yeah. and it just, but still then it just made the run seem that much further out of my wheelhouse and well, so relating to that, do you personally have any DNFs that you'd like to talk to us about? Um, not at Leadville. Uh, and that's fine. I mean, any. Um, I, I do. I have the Bear 100 the first year. Um, and then the one I, I truly regret. Now, I've done like over 50 ultras and um John, one of our, our coaches, he has zero DNFs and he's done 13 100s and like, I don't know how many 50 plus ultras. And I always find that super impressive. But I also think it's good to have a DNF because it you never want to feel that way again. So I, I DNF'd, um, what's it called? Bighorn uh -huh. years ago at mile 85. Oh, no God. Reason. Like, I had no reason. It was sunny out. All I had to do was run downhill. I think I, I was on pace be competitive and then I wasn't so I got you know kind of caught up in this mental thing and but it, ever since then like it, it was a terrible feeling like it felt okay to, to DNF at the time and but it yeah, yeah again it haunted me and I, I still regret it and 
Um, I remember seeing Rock Horton, who's kind of a legend in the sport. Yeah. He was sit- sitting there eating pizza, and I, I wanted to speak up and be like, hey, let's take it home, Rock. And I didn't. And <laughs> I just like sauntered off with like my tail between my legs and DNF. And I wish I know if I just like would have spoke up, he would be like, hey, he's a big, you know, big character and he would have brought it home. So, uh, yeah, I, I definitely regret that one. But other than that, no, I, I haven't had any. Well, yeah, and then uh, that, that's just always a tough thing to deal with. They, all mine came early, too. It seems like once you get one or two out of the way, uh, you know, you, you do find a way of avoiding them. Um, I do think we have one athlete by the name of Bill Finkbeiner who would say he's totally cool with not having but one in his 30-year history with RAs. <laughs> but, yes, yeah, for the – for the rest of us, I definitely think it it teaches you something that gets you uh, further on down the trail the next time. And before we leave memory lane and some other people that do that for me, and I think you too, are Ken and Mary Lee. Do you have any stories of those two characters you'd like to share? Yeah. Um, well, one of them was one of my finishes for the 100 run. I remember, I don't know what, time like three in the morning or whatever it was and no one was out there i had a couple you know my crew was out there of course but no one else was out there spectating but you know of course ken and mary lee were, were sitting there in the middle of the night in the dark in the cold waiting um you know with that with that hug in the middle of the night and that, that was pretty special just to to see that they were out there at those wee hours that you know everyone's there at, at 10 a.m to see the cutoff right but, not, not everyone's there in the middle of the night to see it come in. So that was special. And then I remember a story being at camp once and being able to sit with, with Mary Lee and have lunch. And, and that was pretty cool. And she was talking about when the Tarumara were there from, from born to run and how you guys gave them flashlights and, and they turned the flashlights on and, and turned them up towards the sky. They yeah. I've seen one before. <laughs> thought it was a torch. And that memory always sticks with me. I thought that was so cool. Oh, God. That's, yes, that's, now that's a good trip down memory lane. I will never forget that. And, I mean, (laughs) we also had them in uh, Chuck Taylor's. They weren't even in running shoes or shoes that you'd want to be out in in the wilderness in at all. It it was really something. Um, For sure, for sure. Um, Now, getting back. I'd like to get back to Leadman for a second because, you know, we've we've covered the bike and the run and which one's harder, and we've dabbled in, in Leadman a little in terms of how it helped you compete without competing so hard against the numbers. But can you tell us a little bit more about your journey with Leadman and kind of what took you there i mean this challenge it's even beyond all these other challenges that are breaking you down now you've got one even worse what took you to that level yeah well the level racers does a great job of like there's always another challenge there's always a way to go bigger there's always a way to make it harder <laughs> yeah there's a small buckle there's a big buckle there's and I did Lead Man twice, and then the second year, you you know you have an option to do the fifty mile bike or the fifty mile run. Well, there's always like 
the locals <laughs> like well you're not a true lead man unless you do silver king yeah so so the second year i had to do silver king so there's <clears throat> there's always another challenge and and i fall for that <laughs> <laughs> well yeah that and that sounds like a marvin sandoval bug in your ear if i ever heard one <laughs> yeah i think you might have something to do with that i mean uh, him and wesley and rodrigo yeah they now you're you're telling me how you're using lead man to back away from the times and you got those three hoodlums that are just taking it to a different level for sure yeah and it's cool because you know over the summer you see the same faces and you know usually around the same finishing times and um like this past year max fulton and i we both kind of had a bad day on the bike and we got to finish the bike together and we were both like hugging at the finish line. We're like, Oh man, I'm glad we ran India. I made the last few miles so much more fun. We're just like reminiscing of all these different, you know, runs and competitions. And, um, yeah. So you, you, you build these like friendships throughout the series, which is really cool too. Well, sure. I mean, I finished the same way with Ty Hall respectfully. I must say started yeah, several so corrals yep. behind me, but <laughs> Uh, we were able to finish together, still a little behind each of our perspective goals. And, and it was that same camaraderie between us. Now, and now, and you've also uh, helped us quite a bit with camps and stuff. What has that experience been like for you? And, you know, are you getting closer to those same faces during that time as well? Yeah, camp. Uh, both the run and the bike camp are probably my favorite weekends because there's no pressure of a race. Like you're just, you're out there, the days are hard, the days are long, but there is, again, it's not a competition. Um, and it's like a reunion every year. Like I, see, I get to see my buddy Bob Africa every year. And we kind of, we always do the same thing. We start in the back and work our way up through the people on that, that first day of camp that goes to Twin Lakes. And, um, you know, you just meet so many cool people. Cause like, you don't, like in your your first question of, of this podcast is like, how do you get to level? Well, it's only cool people that come, <laughs> <laughs> or or very interesting people. Like everyone has a really interesting story. There's no like boring person, you know. Like it takes a certain type of person that wants to to compete in a crazy event like this. So I don't know. Every year you just meet so many cool people, and it goes with the coaching too. Like that's what keeps bringing me back is you find these folks that have like achieved self-actualization they've achieved success in family and they've success in business or their career and it's like what's next and a lot of them find leadville and it's like you know there's always the next challenge it's pretty cool right right and yeah even if they come not cool they leave cool (laughs) (laughs) well so hey let's jump back to you and uh so okay like uh it's the year 2020 um, we're both working at Lifetime, and it took a bit of toll on both of us. I was furloughed. You were furloughed. Uh, what happened after that? You you kind of took your career in a different yet same direction. Yeah, so it was kind of bittersweet. Like, I had gotten uh, Lifetime sends out a plaque for uh, 10 years of service. Oh. So I was fur- furloughed through through the pandemic. Uh, all the health clubs shut down. And then I, I get this plaque for working there for 10 years. <laughs> it was, uh, it, like I said, it was bittersweet. Um, but I, I had formed this like niche within a lifetime. And 
coaching athletes specifically for the 100 and for other endurance events. And um, always, what I love about Lifetime is it has this um, entrepreneurial spirit about it. Like our, the founder, Brahm, started Lifetime from, from nothing. And, um, and it instills in all the employees. And, and you, realistically, to be successful at Lifetime, you have to have an entrepreneurial spirit. Like you, but they, they um, support it. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. so I was able to carve out this like special niche aside from personal training, but in endurance and then online coaching, um, you know, just kind of ran with it. Um, so when I was furloughed, I had this amazing team uh, of coaches and um, everyone was struggling to go virtual through, through the pandemic. And we already were virtual. We used training peak software and, mm-hmm. you know, all our calls or zoom calls or phone calls. Um, so when we got through, we're like, why? Like people are still getting outdoors. They're still training. They're still running. They're still doing these virtual challenges. So I just saw the opportunity to, to go out on my own at that point. And, um, it was kind of a blessing in disguise and it worked out really well. And so I took, my entire team out of lifetime. We added some more coaches and um, we're able to continue the partnership with, with lifetime and with, with Leadville. And so it's been a uh, quite a journey the last couple of years, but it's, it's weird how, you know, you hear these stories of the good things that came out of the pandemic. And I think this is one of them for sure. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I know another guy that got his 10 year plaque when he was furloughed. It was me. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, well, how, yeah, congrats to you too. How interesting. Um, well, yeah, and I mean, we are fortunate that we've had such great leaders both in Brahm and Chemo. And, you know, it's really neat to see how they love to fuel that entrepreneurial spirit even beyond their own walls. So, you know, now here we are in 2022. Um, you had a year of athlete, well, getting ready to be in 2022. You're, in fact, you're going to be my first 2022 episode, Ryan. Uh, you've had a year of 2021 athletes rifle through the races. Um, how is how is that going in terms of what you thought it would be a year out when you started that critter? Yeah, it's, it's kind of followed the exact path that I thought. I mean, I, of course, I like planned out metrics and goals um, for the business. And, you know, it, it is an entrepreneurial feat. But at the same time, I was, you know, I had this business within lifetime. So it, it, was, it was kind of predictable. Um, but what, what, what's really come about it, and you could see this out, you know, at Twin Lakes this last year, was we had all our coaches out there supporting the athletes. and. Um, that was pretty amazing. Like just to see the support and to, to the camaraderie that all the coaches coming together has created has been pretty awesome. Well, yeah, it was really cool. You know, I was there at the expo around you and seeing Jason answering all the questions. Uh, God, you know, Ken and Mary Lee aren't there this year. And, you know, you got Kathy and other coaches stepping it up so much more. They're in the finisher shoot helping me. You've got, you know, Jill and her experience on the course. God, yeah, they were just, 
incredibly amazing for sure. Uh, they definitely have that family spirit in them and, and kept that going. Um, so now let's get back to you a little bit and to them. Now with what you're doing, and you've answered this a little bit, but are you uh, getting a fulfillment through these events vicariously through these athletes? Or are you plotting a return? Um, what does that look like? I'm planning on doing a bike again. Um, you know, I, I don't know. It's it's just again fun to switch it up. I don't know about if I can come to the run anytime soon. What <laughs> I, I, I you know I fight that same battle. What what is giving you the pause? Because you're you're a foot a footstep or two ahead of me getting back to that critter, but. Boy, yeah. I feel a little away from it. At, you know, at 9.30 a.m., <laughs> when everyone's finishing, I'm like, oh, man, I want to do this again. Because you, you want a piece of that, you know, the, the energy and that, that feeling, and you want to replicate it again. And uh-huh. But it's – you forget the nighttime and the <laughs> going through the sleet and going back over power line. And, and then I'm like, oh, yeah, I don't want to do that again. Well, yeah, and, you know, you touched on something I didn't take a pause on earlier, and and that was seeing Ken and Mary Lee at night in the finish shoot. But, you know, as a boy helping my dad all those years, he was, you know, typically a 28, 29-hour finisher. He had a few faster. Um, but so as a boy, you know, I only had that, you know, golden hour finish you experience and then my first uh leadville trail 100 run at when i come in at well my second my first one i was 21 years old and i quit my my second all those years later in 2011 when i did a 2508 boy i came into that finish you and i'll tell you my dad and mary lee were with me because they crossed the line with me and the only guy in that shoot was david clark and oh yeah. Boy did that feel barren and dark. And I just hadn't had that experience. So yeah, that's that's one of those experiences I guess not everybody gets out there and that might be okay. Um, well, I'll pace you if you come back. For sure. <laughs> you can't do that, Ryan. I was going to say I'd pace you. <laughs> <laughs> No, I'll be back eventually. I will too. It's God. I just need to hit my face in the shovel a few. Hit myself in the face with the shovel a few more times to forget the last bit of pain I haven't from the last time. And yeah. I, I'm sure it's the same for you. That's what's cool with the hundred run is there's just so much room for improvement too. It's not like a road marathon where you shave off a few minutes for a PR. Oh yeah, yeah like, or, you could you could have a good race and shave off an hour, two hours, you know, or more. Well, or for me, yes, uh, for me, one of the times I thought I was best trained, I got sick right away, and you never <clears> anticipate <throat> that. And so, I'm coming into Twin Lakes wanting to quit. I'm I'm fighting the cutoffs, and then you realize, you know, then uh, my dad got a hold of me, and we had a just a word he said you remember what you told those people and i mean boy then i was fine the rest of the day but that's just it like turning that around or you know there's just so much time to play with whereas that bike 
if you get behind something on that bike, it's going to eat your time and you're not going to be able to do that. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, smaller margins for sure. <laughs> well, and so while we've had a fun trip down uh, memory lane, it's very been a very nostalgic. Uh, while I have a great coach on the line, I'd like to focus here a little bit more. Um, I need you to tell these people, their fam your family members, my family members, what they're going to need to do come August to get this done. And I love the fact that you know both of these disciplines intimately. Um, what advice do you have for these people, our family members? What can you tell them that's going to get them to that line come, you know, any event this summer? Yeah. Um, well, timing-wise, like now, for the run especially, um, overuse injury, you know, runner's knee, plantar fasciitis, Achilles tendonitis, all the most common ones are, are now is the time to um, start doing, you know, strength work and, and proactive physical therapy type exercises to, to prevent those injuries, you know, come springtime when you're really ramping up the volume. Um and as far as like the mental aspect, I, I'm super inspired by all my athletes because like I said, a lot of them are balancing family and, and career and mm -hmm. um, it's pretty inspiring to see, you know, how you can be successful in all these different buckets of life. And um, <clears throat> that being said, I think like just the process of getting there and like always picking the harder thing and making these sacrifices and, uh, you know, not hitting snooze and just getting up and, and doing all these things that you don't want to do really mentally conditions you for the hundred because you get to mile 60 and it's like all you want to do is quit it's like every waking thought mm -hmm. is like looking for an excuse to quit and if you condition that throughout the season of like taking the harder trail and going uphill versus downhill and um you know you can, you can condition and callous the mind by the time you get to the hundred you'll be ready so so you're actually saying you can take their work ethic like your work ethic, non-related to athletics, and find a way to key that in. That's interesting. That's something I've actually, I've never thought of that one, but boy, there's a lot of sense in that. Yeah. Um, Travis Macy has that, that great book that he wrote, and he touches on that, like it's all ultra training. Yeah. And... Um, yeah, I think there's totally truth to that. Like, whether you're, you know you have a big work project or a, a, a big home improvement project or whatever it is, like a big you know cross country drive, like you can always like frame it to be like, oh yeah, I'm just training for the ultra, just doing stuff that you don't want to do, doing hard stuff. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. And now I'd like to step back just a little bit too. You you talked about overuse injuries, and that's something. I see in every single one of my running friends around lottery time, they get excited and they go out there and, you know, they let the cat out of the barn. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you see that in cycling as much? Not as much, um, just because it's lower impact. I mean, you definitely do get, you know, different injuries and um, it's just not as prevalent. How do you get of, how do you get both of these user groups to pump the brakes at this time of year when everything we're getting on the time of year where everything's excited, 
you just made it through the lottery. You're you really have been dreaming about this for years and you want to go. How do you slow those people down? Um, I just think seeing a plan, like seeing like a macro yearly plan um, helps like to see the why and to see structure and, you know, the race series itself, you know, marathon in June, 50 mile in July, um, hundred in August. I mean, it, it plays really well to a, a program. Um, so I, I think that helps and, uh, mapping out base miles now, you know, like now should be a lot of aerobic, uh, just getting the musculoskeletal system adapted, uh, not a ton of miles, you know, I don't know, 35 to 45 miles to form this base, uh, for springtime, for summertime. You know, but inconsistency is key. Like I see a lot of folks that get injured. Um, <clears throat> they have these like big downtimes where they're not running at all or, mm-hmm. or not working out at all. And, and then they start back up and and they get injured. So, yeah, consistency is, is a huge part in just forming good habits now in, in January and for the months to come. And uh, nutrition we, 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 you and I know nutrition is probably more important than the running come race day on the hundred run and also in the bike for sure. Uh, should these athletes be worrying about that right now or, um, do they have a little break from that? Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny, like I've never really tried to lose weight but i was trying to lose weight for the bike this year and it turned out terribly (laughs) you can't can't train uh you know these big miles volume for and and try to lose weight at the same time so you know now would be a good time to form those good nutritional habits and if you do have you know 10 pounds to lose you know slowly but surely lose it come summertime you know do, do it now make those those healthy decisions now, moderation now. Yeah, that's great advice. That's a piece I'm still trying to get through my thick head. Now I've got the most important question of all. What do you hear of when you hear the word Leadville? I think of like a family reunion. I think of, fun summers I think of um, you know I think of 9.30 a.m. on 6th street Um, I think of like tribe like people that you share this thing with you know like when you finish the 100 run you finish the the bike it's like this brotherhood that you know you Mm -hmm welcome people into it's pretty cool so that's that's what i think of when i hear leadville well yes that's it's hard not to change your life (laughs) well we definitely go way back i've called you for a lot of help uh can't thank you enough for taking this time with me today is there anything else you want to share with your family before i let you go no, thanks for the opportunity. Um, looking forward to another fun summer. I mean, it just gets me excited through these winter months. And looking forward to the first event. And glad things are coming back to normal. So, 
Well, me too. I'll see you on the slopes. I'll see you on the trails. But most importantly, we'll see you in Leadville. Awesome. Thanks, Cole. Appreciate it. Thank you, Ryan. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, there you have it, Leadville family. I've had a lot of time catching up with my buddy Ryan, but I hope along the way you've had a lot of fun and a lot of time to take a few notes to find that success when you come visit us this summer. So, you know, uh, make sure that you listen to Ryan. You don't get too excited about your training right now. You get a plan. You get consistency. And that'll keep you healthy on track and we'll see you at home. We'll see you in Leadville.